You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Curtains Up on another episode of West of Broadway, a celebration of musical theater on the West Coast. I'm Wendy Rosoff. And I'm Will Armstrong, and we have a great show for you today. I'm so excited to, that we actually get to join via Zoom with Matt Weaver, who's one of the creators of the amazing musical Rock of Ages. I, I can't wait to talk to him about the story behind creating such an impactful and exciting show. Absolutely, and he comes from a world that, um, he's a producer, but he you know, came from film and television and found his way into this. And I'm really looking forward to hearing about that journey. It's, I mean, I can't believe, like coming from the world of like documentaries and television and yeah. film and stuff, and then just, I, I'm dying to find out what made him decide, I'm gonna do a Broadway musical. And then totally. have it be so successful, his first one, he actually produced um, one of my favorite documentaries of all time, which is called Hero Loves Sushi. Have you seen that? I didn't know that he did that. That's incredible. I Isn't love that. I know. It's so beautiful. It's so much heart. It's so much heart. Well, yeah. we know, uh, uh, full uh, spoiler, or um, we've met Matt Weaver because the Bourbon Room is where we were planning to do Western Broadway Live, which got postponed because of the pandemic, but yep. we, it will eventually happen. Uh, and we, I look forward to that day, but he is an incredible guy. We've, um, we've gotten the opportunity to see Rock of Ages and interview some of the cast members in past episodes, but now to talk to him about the story behind the story, I'm excited. Me too. Uh, so uh, let's bring him on. Is okay, that right? Sounds good. Okay, yes, super. Please. Matt Weaver, welcome to Western Broadway. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. We're thrilled to have you. So, um, I mean, I know, I, I know what I've done all day, and it's pretty much been stare at these four walls. Um, how are you doing? And what, what, what time what did you you're... get up today? That's what I want to know. Because okay, I'm gotta... sleeping later than I normally do ever. Well, be I'm honest. jealous because my, my, my work kind of hasn't changed. Just my environment has changed. But I okay. started at 730. And I'll, oh. I'll, yeah, but yeah, it's nose to grindstone all the time. But it's yeah, right. seven a.m. here too. I know, crazy town. Okay. But my my clock. Eight a.m. here. Oh, that's not bad. My clock yeah. is all weird. Like I, I have no idea what time it is or what day it is. I hear you. I hear you. Well, it's good to be on. It's good to be. I feel like I'm productive. Exactly. This is all I do for the next week. It's a win. <laughs> well, um, first off, I, I just want to say uh, uh, Wendy and I had the opportunity to see and cover Rock of Ages for West of Broadway. And it was yep. such a wonderful experience in such an incredible venue. And it's just yeah. so nice to be able to talk to the man behind all of it. So thank you. I prefer to say the man liable. 
It's, it's, it's more truthful. Fair Behind enough. it sounds sexy, but I'm really liable. Excellent. Very nice. So how are you doing these days? Like, I mean, and what was, if you don't mind me asking, what was it like heading this juggernaut of a show here in Hollywood and then having all of a sudden the world just kind of turn upside down? Well, it was crazy because we had just opened up in January and it was sort of the culmination of this three-year dream of opening rock back where we started on Hollywood Boulevard and creating the bourbon room. And so we had just opened, we were just getting going. And I've been saying it every day, literally about a month ago, we were selling out every single night, uh, starting to do other programming. I think Monday, March 9th, we had Jason Robert Brown. I don't know if you guys came to that. I was there. It was no, We had Jason Robert Brown there. So we had Rock of Ages Sunday night, Jason Robert Brown. We had an ABBA cover Abba. band, ABBARAMA. And so it was just all just gelling. Um, I we had were about to do our very first West of Broadway yeah. live with you guys, which we were so excited about. Yeah, and, and it was, you know, it was brewing and we were taking precautions and we were aware of it. Uh, I had to go to New York. Um, I'm, my next Broadway show, I'm not doing a plug, but I'm doing Soul Train. So Ooh. I actually went to New York to meet about Soul Train. You're allowed and, to plug. You're totally allowed to plug. It's a, it's a great show. Uh, and then it all, it all just turned drastically. So uh, I think Wednesday the 11th uh, was it. Uh, then we shut everything down. And, um, you know, it was a couple of days of shock. And, but the last couple of weeks, we've been just sort of like trying to figure out when can we reopen? How do we do it safely? What the world is going to be like? Do we do the bourbon room first? Then we do Rocket Ages second. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're all at a disadvantage, although I do think we have a, um, it's interesting that we have this bar and this restaurant to rely on as well, which was a part of the whole business model, which is yes. how we paid for this very expensive show was through, through the bar. So there could be a world where Rock of Ages could open up a, a little bit after the bourbon room. Um, so uh, we're kind of working every day. We're on calls, we're on Zooms. Um, I go up there every day. I'm like Jack Nicholson in The Shining, just roaming around this club alone. It's very <laughs> scary and sad, but like I'm, I'm anxious to, to get going again. Um, you know, there's all sorts of loans out there. I mean, uh, a lot of businesses are trying to get these loans. The, sure. the main loan is the PPP loan yes. through the SBA. So we're anxiously trying to get that so we can get everybody back on payroll. Yeah. Like that would be huge because the actors and the crew and the cast and the band and the waiters and the waiters, everybody can get back on payroll. Exactly. Um, so that's probably the thing that we do most of our day with is working with our bank, working with the SBA, uh, trying to get that approved. Are you I mean, in communication with your cast and crew and team? Yeah, we are. Uh, I think we actually are sending them a new email today. Uh, a lot of them we're talking to sort of via text every single day. Um, you know, one of our cast members, unfortunately, uh, you know, came down with COVID, Nick Cordero, but he's yeah. definitely taken a turn for the better. Oh, good. So there's been a lot of communication about Nick and how he's doing and everybody's rallying around him. And he's, he's definitely, definitely making progress. Thank God. Mm. Um, yeah, we're, we're a family. So we're all, we're, we're in touch a lot. And uh, I got a, I got a bunch of texts and emails like a week ago, you know, if you're going to close, just tell us. And I'm like, we, we're not closing. It's, you know, when are we going to re reopen? How do we do it safely? What's the plan? So um, that's what was so exciting and so interesting at the Jason Robert Brown concert. When you got up and introduced him, you mentioned that your plans are to be here for at least 10 years, you know, yeah. and that's so amazing. And, and your contribution to what you bring to 
Hollywood now is just so huge and so exciting and so welcome that it's just, it's, it's, I may, I hope I'm not too Pollyanna about this, but I just, yes, this is a setback. Yes, this is an inconvenience, but I have every like faith that this is all going to work out. And this is just a little hiccup and we're going to get back to business as usual, usual soon. And I just applaud you for leading your business and being, and, and uh, the, the caretaking, because it's like, you're, you must feel responsible for yourself, your family, but then all these other families yeah. that yeah. you employ. Yeah, and, uh, and they've been great for us. And, and it's not, even for me, and I think, and I hope they're probably watching, but are the people that work there, it's not just another job. This did feel like something special. Um, and I would tell people along the way, whether you're an actor or a stage manager or a bartender or a cook, security, we have so many different type of people. I'm like, listen, you guys are going to do other things, bigger things, better paying things along the way. But hopefully, Rocket Ages at the Bourbon Room will be a really cool chapter in your life. And it won't be just another gig. Um, so we actually literally auditioned everybody that works there and curate, almost curated everybody, tried to have a family thing. Um, so yeah, we know that everybody wants to come back and sort of back, back to the reality. That's why these loans are so important because they Absolutely. do allow businesses to, to, to reopen. So It's so funny that you would say that because even your staff at the Bourbon Room looks like they're out of central casting. They, they yeah. look like they belong in a rock and roll bar. You I was just thinking of the meeting that we had with you guys when we were first talking about West of Broadway Live and a few of the bartenders came through and were saying hi and it was it was so clear what a community you guys have built, how familial it is, and exactly what Will was saying. Like, it looked like it was perfectly curated and cast. Yeah, and I think, uh, and Kristen Hange, who's the, our Tony-nominated director sure. of our show, she was really helpful with that and that she wanted to get involved in obviously not just the casting of the show, but almost the casting of the bar and the restaurant. So last summer, every day after, after, after rehearsals for the show, we actually had... Um, people who wanted to work at the Bourbon Room come in and kind of audition. And, you know, Kristen in her awesome rainbows and unicorns way would sit down with like a busboy and be like, tell us your dreams. Awesome. And the guy was like, ah. And, and, but it was awesome because people opened up and revealed things about themselves. And uh, we, we got this amazing, amazing staff. And, and, I, and I think we did a good job in that. Yeah, they have great personalities, but it's not like we shove them out there and make them say lines or, you know, it's, I love the Stardust Diner, but it's not the Stardust Diner. Right. It's not, it's not um, Coyote Ugly. They don't have to be characters. So I think they're all being themselves. Yep. They just, I think, love working at this place so much that their energy is just, it's amazing. Well, and the fact of the matter is, is that in LA, a good restaurant or bar job is, that's gold. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's, it's highly competitive, as I'm sure you saw by everybody that came through the Bourbon Room, I'm assuming. Um, and, and also, you kind of have the pick of phenomenal people, because it is, it is such a great job to have. So Yeah, I, I think people feel like that. So we're, we're, we're anxious to get back. But again, we're, you know, we're also taking it slow, and we want to come back when it feels super safe for everybody. So, so coming from your background of entertainment of, of television and film producing like did you ever see yourself like as a venue manager as one of the one of the hats you wear no no it's so funny i i, I use all the jokes and bits all the, the same bits all the time but over the past couple of weeks i was like 20 years ago i wanted to be brian grazer and and be winning oscars and now every night i'm like how many jack and cokes did we sell how many jello shots did we sell we need more chicken fingers 
but the truth of the matter is running a venue like that is produced. I mean, you're producing the show, but you are right. producing a venue. And I found at a very old age, I love hospitality. Uh, yeah. I love making people feel good. I mean, I, when I'm there, I'm bussing tables. I'm, you know, listening to people's complaints and trying to fix them. And I was thinking it, it, back when we opened Rocket Ages on Broadway in 2009, uh, when I really had no clue what I was doing, uh, we were at the Brooks Atkinson Theater on, on 47th Street. And uh, we used to do stuff like that. Like I remember sometimes I would pull people in from Times Square and just bring them into the show for free. Or people would be next door at the glass house during intermission and I'd bring them in for the second act and just let them stand in the back. And uh, we, we just, you know, it's just an awesome feeling. And because we have this amazing show, thanks to Chris Lorenzo and Kelly Devine and Kristen Hangy that just, you know if you're bringing somebody in, they love it. So um, I was doing sort of unorthodox versions of hospitality, even back at, the, back at the theater, I think, in New York. So this felt kind of natural um, to do this, to, do, to create the bourbon room. Well, I, I know that Rock of Ages has a pretty interesting like, um, beginning. And I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about how it came to fruition. All right. Uh, I'll make a long story short. But... The origins really go back to like LA in probably 2004, 2005. Uh, I was making movies. I had nothing to do with theater. Uh, but my wife, Hillary, who's one of the lead producers on Rock of Ages, she had a theater uh, troupe uh, in LA called Page 93. Um, amazing actors. Uh, Mark Ruffalo was even a part of it. So, you know, I would go to these shows that they were doing at like the Hudson Theater and the Elephant sure. Theater on Santa Monica Boulevard. And, I was always the asshole on his Blackberry, you know, like you know, <laughs> appreciating the, the fine art. Uh, and then, um, so I think my wife was doing Margaret, which was a show that Mark Ruffalo was directing at the Hudson and next door they were doing Bear. So Ooh. if you know anything about theater in LA, you know what, yep. Bear, what Bear was. Okay. And we got to meet these amazing people, including Kristen Kristen, right. Um, and Damon, uh, you know, God rest his soul, who passed yeah. away, and John Hartmere, and these kids who were 21 or 22 had created this incredible pop opera. And so they were in one theater, and uh, Ruffalo was in the next theater. I think, as Kristen tells it, she and Hillary one day were having a smoke in the alley and started talking and becoming friends. And the next thing you know, it, Kristen and Hillary did the Pussycat Dolls at the Sunset Strip. Uh, so they worked for Robin Anton, and uh, I think Kristen was directing, Hillary was producing. Around that time is when uh, I came up with the very original idea of, hey, let's do a jukebox musical uh, with these songs uh, of this era. I wanted it to end with Don't Stop Believing. Um, and I knew I kind of wanted it to be a little bit of a hybrid, part Broadway show, but part sort of immersive experience. And that's all I had. So one day I brought it to Kristen and said, hey, I have this crazy idea. I can't get these songs out of my head. They feel theatrical to me. And Kristen uh, goes, oh, this is amazing. I love this idea. Let's set it in a club on the Sunset Strip because mm. she just worked at the Roxy for eight, right. eight weeks. So she goes, I just, I'm immersed in the Sunset Strip. Let's set it there. She goes, I'm going to go find a writer. So however many weeks later, all the producers at that point, and it was Janet Billig and Hillary and Carl Levin and myself, and we're in a conference room, and Kristen was presenting two writers to us who were going to pitch us this show. Uh, I don't even remember the first guy, but then the second guy came in, and it was Chris Dorenzo, and he gave this now famous, animated, incredible, blow-by-blow, 
pitch where he acted out the entire show, sang the songs. I think that was probably 2005. It, it, it was amazing. Um, I think Chris was a working writer, but he really hadn't done anything yet. Um, so none of us really had. Kristen was probably the person who had, had, you know, in theater, I'd been doing some movies, but Kristen was the one that was doing stuff. So we all just sort of felt like this was our first thing. So we got this little group together. Uh, and at that point, I, I have to admit too, and I always say it is, I thought it was a Vegas show. Um, I didn't know about Broadway. I had no clue. And when I did think about it, I'm like a musical with White Snake and Poison, where we're handing out drinks and lighters. It would never, I thought it'll never work on Broadway. We're going to Vegas. So we did a little presentation of it, probably I think in the summer of 2006, if I'm getting this right. Um, 2005, Hillary's yelling, at King King, which is a bar on Hollywood <laughs> yeah. Boulevard. So it was a little bar. Uh, we had a cast together. Um, some notable people in that cast at that time, Catherine McPhee was in it. Mm -hmm. And actually after Rock of Ages at King King, she left to go audition for American Idol. Um, and uh, we, we just had a really cool cast. So we did, I think, three nights of it at King King and CAA represented us. And I was like, you know, get every casino owner there. We're going to go to Vegas. It, it felt like waiting for Guffman, to be honest. Like, <laughs> felt, I had no clue what I was doing, but I, yeah. I had that seat in front waiting. Yeah, like, right. I thought Steve Wynn was going to come and like make all of our dreams come true. So we did three days and pe people loved it. Um, and if you've seen the show, so many cool things happened during that time. There's not enough time to tell all, but the, the script wasn't completed. We only kind of had an outline. And then Chris Dorenzo, who really created the show and came up, uh, wrote everything, he came up with the idea. He said, listen, I'm going to create a narrator character. And this guy's going to come in and fill in the blank. So where we didn't have a script for certain scenes, the narrator would come out and say, okay, well, you know what happens here? This happens here. Boy meets girl. Boy loses girl. And that's how the famous role of Lonnie was created. And actually, Chris Dorenzo uh, originated that role of Lonnie. Wow. So we did it there. I think after that, uh, we went out and got the rights to the music. We raised a little bit of money. We finished the book. And we said, all right, we got to put the whole show up on its feet. And this was January now, I think, of 2006. So we did it at a nightclub on Hollywood Boulevard called The Vanguard. Yep. Uh, we did it there for a couple of months. And again, the whole time, I'm thinking Vegas. And I'm sure my entire creative team was like, this guy's a fucking idiot. We need to go to Broadway. But I wasn't listening to anybody. And, but, you know, we, we kept, we get kept getting kicked out of this nightclub every night because it would turn into a rave at 10. So not getting kicked out, but the owner was like, if you're not finished by 10, we're going to turn off the electricity. We're going to shut you down. And so it was just constant pressure. Um, and at that point too, though, we had started to assemble this amazing cast. So, you know, the world didn't know about Rock of Ages. It was only 18 months old, but we had Laura Bell Bundy starring in it. We had James Snyder starring in it. Uh, Kyle Gast. Um, Chris Hardwick, who went on to create Nerdist, um, Dan Finnerty from the Dan Band, Tom Lank, Patty Wortham, uh, Willem. I don't know if you guys know Willem, who went Heck on to yeah. Drag Race. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had this crazy, amazing cast. So we had to get out of the Vanguard for a couple months. And I'm like, all right, we, we just need a place that we can control. So being movie people, we said, well, why don't we, we'll rent a soundstage. So we rented a soundstage at Renmar Studios. And... Uh, did the full show there. That's when we partnered with MySpace. Um, a lot of people who remember seeing Rocket Ages back in the early days often talk about being on the soundstage. Um, 
I'll try to wrap this up. Uh, that was probably February. Um, and after that, we got the call from CAA and they're like, all right, guys, we got you a room in Vegas for one week. You're going to go to the Flamingo and put the show on and for everybody and hopefully get a deal. So in May of 2007, we raised more money. We flew everyone out to Vegas. We were there for about four weeks. Um, some people have referred that as the, the low point in our show. I don't know if it was the best version. We also weren't at the right hotel. Uh, and, you know, and as we learned later, when we ultimately did get to Vegas, you, you know, you have to be a hit in New York before you go to Vegas. So in 2007, after, after Vegas, we had no offers. It was kind of over. And uh, I started finally listening to my creative team. Uh, then we met Scott Prizan. Uh, Scott Prizan was uh, a friend of ours who had just started getting into producing Broadway. He had, he had just done Brooklyn on Broadway. I don't know if you guys uh -huh. saw that. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and he had Legally Blonde going, and there was synergy between he and Laura Bell. And Scott was like, dude, I can raise the money. Let's go. So to make a very long story short, after starting in this bar in 2005, uh, we finally opened up Off-Broadway off in 2008 uh, at New World Stages. Mm. Uh, and uh, so we opened up, it was I think it was the most expensive show in off-Broadway history. It was $2.1 million at that point. Um, and it was an exciting time. We opened up in October. Uh, we did a lot of work between, uh, Chris moved to New York and kind of rewrote the book. He immersed himself in, in New York theater community. We brought all these incredible uh, creative people, uh, Beowulf Borat, our set designer, and Jason Lyons, and uh, Peter Halinski and Zach Boryev and uh, Gregory Gale, who did costumes. So all of a sudden, this little raw idea started wrapping itself with all these major, major professional people on Broadway. So we opened, am I going on too long? No, no I love no, this. this. Is I love all this. So, so we, we opened there. So if you had gone to Rock of Ages and New World Stages in, in 2008, and also remember, very similar, the world was falling apart then financially. Yeah. So it's very, very similar times. I remember Scott Prizan, we were running around the city raising money and we were in front of Lehman Brothers at, uh -huh. at some point in the day and they were moving their boxes out. And I, yeah. it's not a world I really knew. And Scott was like, Matt, it's Paramount Pictures closing down, shutting their doors, people are leaving. And it just dawned on me. So it was amazing that we were actually able to put the funds together for the show during that yeah. time. But I, I credit Scott Prizan with that. Um, so again, if you went to New World Stages and you walked in, you were like, oh my God, this is the biggest hit in the world. People were going crazy. They were losing their minds. The truth of the matter is probably most of the house was comped because nobody knew who we were. We only had $10,000 a week in marketing and we were just like trying to catch on. And it just took a while for the word of mouth. So we're like, we're doing okay, but we're struggling a little bit. And then one of the, one of the miracles in the history of Rocket Ages happened was all the movie studios started to come. So, you know, a VP, a senior VP, a president, a chairman, and then we had an old-fashioned awesome bidding war for the movie rights. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So, what do you attribute that to, the movie folks starting to come? Did you pitch them, or did they just magically yeah. kind of hear about it? I, I, think, I think we probably just started. It wasn't a strategy. It wasn't like, it, the movie was never a part of the plan. But I think, like we did, we were just inviting all of our friends, and yeah. a lot of our friends are in the movie business because that's the world we came from. So right. I'd like to say it was our strategy. It wasn't. But, you know, again, I go back to what Chris did and Kristen and Kelly and uh, Dave Gibbs, who did all the orchestrations and arrangements with Ethan Pop. They created something really magical. Like, I don't think Rock of Ages then looked good on paper. 
I was like, what, a musical with White Snake coming out of an LA bar? But if you came, it was pretty undeniable. Yeah. Um, and I remember one of the studio guys thinking, this is Mamma Mia for dudes. And so it was, it was pretty right. crazy. We had a great, a, a, an awesome bidding war. Um, and we only went with Warner Brothers and New Line. And, and I'm, I'm glass half full, very positive guy always. But I would still say to everybody, all right, let's keep our eye on the prize. We're one of 200 projects in development at Warner Brothers. Knock on wood, maybe one day the movie gets made. But let's keep going. So then it was November, December. We're still not doing great off-Broadway. We're like doing all right. But we saw January coming. And we're like, oh my God, we're, we're going to get crushed. And so we all made this kind of like, we kind of had this like go big or go home moment. We're like, all right, we just sold the movie rights. Um, I think we had done Conan O'Brien while we were off-Broadway. So there were a couple of things that were saying like, this thing is, is big. And let's go big or go home. And because of where the world was, we had a shot of actually getting the theater. And so we had this awesome meeting. I think it was in early January. And we got to meet Jimmy Niederlander Sr. Uh, and I think Nick Scandelius was in the room and Jim, Jimmy Jr. And we probably got ushered in by our, uh, the GMs at that point were Richard Frankel. Mm -hmm. Wow. So there was a buzz about the show. We got this meeting with Jimmy Niederlander Sr. And I remember I was ushered in and I was probably talking fast and nervously like I am now pitching. And Jimmy Niederlander Sr. cut me off and he goes, do you have the money? <laughs> and, we're, and of course we didn't, but we're like, yes, sir. And he goes, give him the Brooks Atkinson. So it was an awesome moment. And That's so, like out of a movie itself. Yeah, and I Give am literally, that was the quote. I'm not exaggerating the story all. He cut me off because he was annoyed and just said, <laughs> do, you have, do you have the money? So, and, so uh, the, fact that, the fact that there were so many shows closing actually worked in your favor, would you say? We think so. I mean, unfortunately wow. for them. But, and honestly, I'd love to know what Nick or Jimmy Jr. thought. I mean, they probably had heard good things, but they thought, all right, let's get Rock of Ages in to, to fill a gap between another long running show. Wow. Nobody would, could have imagined we'd go, you know, have the run we did. So this should be a documentary. So from January of 2009, literally up until opening night in April, Scott Bryzan and I were raising money. And most of the traditional producers on Broadway, probably rightfully so, they weren't gonna give us any money. It did, again, it didn't look good on paper. So Scott and I would travel. Scott and I had a rule. Scott said, Matt, if I think someone's going to give us 100000 you got to get on a plane with me. So I would do the pitching. He would set it up. So we went to Boca Raton. We went to Memphis. We went to Denver. We went to Tech. We'd fly all around the country, and we would pitch Rocket Ages in the room. And uh, we did raise, we raised all of our capitalization from January, literally right up until previews. We opened, uh, we opened in April. Um, and another, some really defining things that happened. The, the selling the movie rights was defining for us. I mean, getting a theater obviously was defining. And then in April, um, by that point, one of the things we did was we went to the Nederlanders and we said, hey, listen, we would love to sell drinks during the show. Um, and we knew we weren't going to make any money from it. We already, everybody had already told us, don't ask. Theater owners make all the concessions. But in L.A., we had always done it. So at King King and Renmar and uh, the Vanguard, we had always sold liquor. Not, it wasn't ever really a profit center. It was just because we always thought of ourselves as part Broadway show, part rock concert. Totally. People like to have a couple of drinks. 
So we went to them and they were sort of like, I gotta remember what they thought. I, I think they thought like, well, you're fucking crazy, but sure, if you wanna try it, you can do it. I actually remember somebody going, but you don't mean during book scenes, do you? And we were like, yeah, we want to offer liquor in the aisles through servers during the entire show. So we, were, we, were, we did that at New World. We were doing that at uh, all during previews. And it was awesome. I and mean, it was 99% a, a good thing. Um, and then I remember when our publicist, uh, John Barlow, uh, Barlow Hartman, called us up. He said, all right, guys, you know, the New York Times is coming. And I, all I knew was like these scenes in the movies, you know, that you grew up with in the 70s and 80s when you're reading the review yeah. at night and is your show, you know. And so in our, our whole, if we even ever had a business model, we always thought, well, we'll get destroyed by the New York Times and by the New York theater community. We always thought we're going to be a bridge and tunnel show. And we were all from New Jersey or Long Island. So I use that term affectionately. Yeah. Because honestly, we weren't, we literally thought, well, they're, they're, they're going to hate it. We know they don't like jukebox musicals already plus one with white snake and poison where they're handing out, you know, lighters and liquor. And it just, so we, and you know, it was one of the 10 things I was wrong about because we ultimately learned we did need all that. So I remember saying to John Barlow, well, let's not serve liquor when the New York times guy comes home. Let, let's not let, when he comes to the show, let's not serve liquor. He said, no, John was like, you gotta be yourself because they'll wind up writing that you didn't do that. So I forgot when John came, probably early April at some point. Uh, no, I'm sorry. John brought Charles Isherwood from the New York Times. <laughs> and I remember watching, I was so naive and just watching Charles walk in and not a smile on his face. And he left. And, you know, again, we were prepared to get destroyed. And the next morning, uh, John Barlow calls. He goes, Matt, in my X many years in this business, um, this has never happened to me. And we, we said, what? He goes, Charles Isherwood wants to come back again. And we go, what do you mean? He goes, I don't know. He said, can he come back and review it again? And honest to God, we all thought this guy hates what we're doing so much. He wants to be reminded of how we're destroying <laughs> Broadway. That's literally what we thought. Why would he, if he hated it, why would he want to come back again? He already made up his mind. He must just, he needs to see how horrible this thing is again. So, and I remember, I can picture it in my head. I remember the next night or whenever Charles Isherwood came, this time and he came walking into the theater and he had a drink in his hand wow. and uh however many days later we got this love letter from the new york times it wasn't an eight it wasn't a nine it, it was a ten wow and that's uh, incredible yeah and again it's because of chris and Kristen and kelly and, and the amazing team we had and uh, so we opened to that. And then however many weeks later, we got, you know, we woke up to the Tony nominations. We got five nominations, mm -hmm. including Best Musical, performed on the Tony Awards. And, you know, to cap this very long, boring story, I think right now, I don't know where we're at. I think we're number 30, 31, or 32. But, you know, we're the 32nd longest running show in the history of Broadway. We ran for five and a half years. And uh, so it's a, it's a crazy, crazy story uh, that started, you know, on the Sunset Strip, actually, here in Hollywood. And since then, it's traveled, you've been to London. What other countries has Rock of Ages performed in? So whether between sit-downs and licenses, uh, we've done Australia, we've done the UK, we've done the Philippines, Scandinavia, Mexico, Korea, Japan, uh, six years on Norwegian Cruise Line. Um, yeah, that's the UK. She said the West End, my wife. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've done it everywhere. Again, some of those we all went over and we produced. Some of them we licensed. Wow. Um, 
But it's just, it's so amazing to me that this was just like this idea you had, like you were, you were thrown into a world and you were like, hey, and you just spitball and just, and took it. And one thing like that, it's just, congratulations. That's Thank really, you. I, I think yeah, the idea amazing. was good. I think it was a lot of luck. And then we just, it was, you know, like a lot of people have in their career, the, all these people came together at the right time. And what was cool, it was all of our first real huge success. Yeah. So it wasn't like a bunch of pros just doing another job. It was like a bunch of kids, uh, you know, doing something for the first time. And we're all, I mean, we're all still insanely passionate about it. Like we yeah. love this show. And so- Well, you can hear that in, in the way that you're telling the story. And in a lot of ways, I feel like part of what made you so successful is the fact that you you were all looking at this through. By the such way, this a, is a Red Bull, not Scotch. <laughs> Let, you know what? I would not even judge you for a second. <laughs> never, if it you're not I've had one Red Bull before owning the club. Now I'm like, <laughs> I mean to cut you off, but all of a sudden I'm like, I'm not. Not at all. Okay. But it's just the you know the idea of all of you guys kind of having this freshness to you. I don't know that this story would have played out the way it did if some of the producers that I know or some of the teams that I, I have worked with before, if they had been at the helm of this because they had decades worth of data to kind because of- Because the data would have said, don't do it. Exactly. Right? The data and would have said, this will never work. That to me is what's so inspiring about this. And I also love the fact that you're crediting everybody except yourself. But I have to say that one of the things that to me, in my observation makes such an incredible producer or producing teams is, you know, being able to see a larger picture and not taking no and not being afraid of what it looks like right now. Yeah. Because you you have such a hardcore belief in it. And so um, I, I just think it's an incredible story. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And you guys saw it at the Bourbon Room. Uh, yes. Yeah. And I how loved fun was it. it. I loved how immersive it was. I feel like that space is such a great, perfect home for that show. Yeah. And the talent is extraordinary. Yeah, we, uh, LA has amazing talent. I mean, our cast is, when I think about this cast, it reminds me of our original, so our original Broadway cast. Amazing. uh, Was, you know, Wesley Taylor, Adam Danheiser, I mean, Constantine Maroulis, Amy Spanger. But then we had Jeremy Jordan, we had uh, Carrie Butler, we had all these amazing people. This cast reminds me of that. They're just really special and really good. And uh, everyone's texting every day. They're anxious to get get back up and running. So what's so nice about um, you know having having an LA centric cast uh, for the performers? When we were talking to two of your cast members when we did our first West of Broadway with you guys, to be an LA person. I mean, listen, I'm a New Yorker too, a Broadway actor, and I came out here to pursue film and television work. But I'm still a theater nerd at heart. And the idea of being able to have a theater job, one that you love. Two, that is of the quality that you guys are doing. And three, that's essentially an open-ended run. I mean- And four, where you get a drink ticket at the end of every night. (laughs) Well, that goes I mean, that's right. I think our actors, that's the real benefit. (laughs) That's the number one. You get one free drink every night. You don't get that at the Brooks Atkins. For your Red Bull. Yeah. (laughs) For my Red Bull. (laughs) But yeah, no. And you teach at AMDA. I do teach at AMDA. You're our neighbor. Yes, I yes. am. Yeah, exactly. We love Tony and Amda. And we love all the kids. Tony's at party. He's the best. Yes. Yeah, I share an alley with Tony. I, at Cosmo, the Cosmo alley. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I actually teach one of my classes and have choreographed uh, and directed a bunch of shows at Cosmo stages. Have you been in there yet? 
Uh, I have been in there. I haven't seen a show yet, but I've been in there a lot. So really nice. You'll have to. Yeah, come it's cool to be sort of like back up against uh, Amda, and yeah. uh, I mean they're obviously huge presence in Hollywood. So yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but one of the things that I find, well, two of the things that I find so exciting is the the adjuncts to this incredible show and incredible cast is the passion in like I, we got to when we were at um, the Bourbon Room, we got to speak to your executive chef. And she cares as much of the, about the food than uh, the, the, the performers do about performing. Like the food was incredible. Like we, I ordered the, the tacos and I had the- I'm uh, just putting my dog out, but I'm oh, still sure, listening. No, no. You, had the, <laughs> you had the cauliflower tacos? They were incredible. And, and like er everything we got like was, was fantastic. And she cared so much. And then on top of that, for you to, you, to realize that the space can also serve guest artists like Jason Robert Brown. I think yes. that's so smart because it's a it's an opportunity to invite people who maybe have seen rock of ages once or twice another reason another excuse to come yeah. and experience something or bring someone who maybe wouldn't didn't know about rock of ages sure. have them come because they're a fan of jason robert brown or someone and then be like i'm coming back here again because it's such a convenient space it's all like you you walk in and then there's the bar and then there's everyone's taking care of you and then you walk into the theater it's just an incredible, very easy structured night. It's really I'm happy brilliant. to hear you say that because that was the business model. I didn't build us thinking you're gonna to come to Rock of Ages 10 times. I thought, well, maybe you'll come a couple times or maybe you never come at all, but we wanted this other programming. That The Jason Robert Brown thing was amazing. I, I oh. teared up watching him in there because I was just like, I, I just love that that's where we were headed and there were yeah. all these people in there that I don't even think would ever come to Rock of Ages. So we, I think that night I made the first joke that like we like to think of like if, if 54 below and the whiskey had a baby, it would be the yep. bourbon room. And it's such a needed, um, yeah. that is a very, very needed place in LA yeah. right now because it, it's actually filling a hole that doesn't exist. There are a lot of really cool venues in LA, Absolutely. But, but that's a really, really unique place, space. And also um, you can feel the love that you guys put into it there. We, we, we appreciate it because we, we love it. Everybody, all the producers, I mean, everybody involved there, it's a real passion for us. So you mentioned that you have um, this show on Broadway that is, um, in, is it in development, Soul Train? Yeah, so um, we're doing Soul Train the musical. Which is so and, great. And by the way, you can look at me and say, how the fuck is he doing Soul Train the musical? <laughs> it's fair question, fair question. Uh, but I have a lot of partners. Um, <laughs> But we are, uh, yeah, so I have two partners, uh, my partner Richard Gay and Jeff Tick. Uh, we announced our creative team in August, uh, which is amazing. So we have Dominique Morisot writing the book, who wrote Ain't Too Proud. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, Camila Forbes directing, who has directed many things, and she's the artistic uh, director at the Apollo Theater. And we have oh, Camille wow. Brown as our choreographer. Um, and we have Questlove uh, producing with us. Uh, I love Questlove. Dude, this thing is so good. So oh it's gosh. really the story of the origins of this show that started in Chicago in 1969, moved to LA in 1970. But this man, Don Cornelius, who gave a voice to a generation that had no voice in 1970. 
So it's, you know, the music is obviously off the charts, but the the history and the story and the characters are awesome. And it actually is the, we didn't set out to do this, but it's the first female African-American creative team in Broadway history. So I was going to say, yeah, sadly that we're the, the first, but um, yeah, so we no, have huge. three beautiful, awesome, amazing women of color leading the charge. And so Incredible. Uh, we're announcing our theater uh, in a couple of weeks. So we open somewhere in the fall of uh, 2021 Fantastic. and then Broadway after that. But it's, um, it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing show, Soul Train. So I'm hearing you, you're, you're so positive and you are trucking along, you're moving forward. At the beginning of our interview, you were talking about you're, you know, you're in meetings all day long and things, things are progressing um, in the face of all of this uncertainty. Um, yeah. I've been talking to so many of my friends who, who don't have quite as positive an outlook. And I'm gonna ask you what, what piece of advice or what words would you say that could kind of um, maybe help us have a broader perspective of what's going on here and what's what's kind of keeping you in the space that you are? Other than Red Bull? Yes. Okay, other than Red Bull. Uh, listen, I, I think I was born this way. I'm just an internal optimist, um, but I do think good things are going to come out of it. I mean, if you look at the companies and the things that came out of 2008, 2009, yeah. Uh, there were incredible opportunities that came out of it. So, um, God, I don't, I don't know what my advice would be. I just think, I just think this is a, a, a time for opportunity. And I mm-hmm. think live entertainment and people are going to want, I don't know if people are going to want to go out in August or September or December, but they're going to want to go back. It will happen. And they're, yeah. they're going to want to congregate. They're going to want to feel good. And I think there are going to be a lot of people that do pack up their bags you know, for a good reason. So sure. I think there's a tremendous opportunity right now for anybody with a good idea uh, to get it out there because people are going to be looking for stuff. So, you know, maybe April you take off because it's, this is traumatic and it's exhausting. But I say May, fire up because come the fall, there's going to be a ton of opportunity. That, that's how I look at it. I mean, I have a theater in LA, we're booking. So somebody could call me right now. I mean, we're, we're looking to put stuff in there. Amazing. So, um, and we can all get in touch with you by going online to rockofageshollywood.com, correct? Yeah. Is that the best way? And then I also love what you guys are doing with social media because it's a great way to keep up with your entire cast and to keep up with, uh, so the Bourbon Room has an Instagram account and Rock of Ages Hollywood. Yeah, Bur- Bourbon Room Hollywood, uh, Rock of Ages Hollywood. Uh, we've got an amazing company called Social Outlier with us. We've got this creative guru, Danny Klein. Uh, you know our publicist. I think we have one of the best in the game, Brian yep. Rossman. Yes. And and no one's thrown in the towel. Like everybody is, you know, again, back, I know I'm overusing the word passion here, but, uh, you know, everyone everyone's really into it. So we, we have a really cool team. And, uh, and you've got an amazing to, product. I mean, yeah, we're going to do some live good. streaming stuff too. We're going to announce something next week. Cool. We're going to do some live streaming stuff in early May. Great. Keep us. And again, it's all about safety. Uh, So when it's safe to go back, we'll be back. But the minute it is, we'll be back. It's going to be exciting. Will and I will be back too. We can't wait. We love your guys' support. Thank you so much. And we can't wait to do all the stuff we've talked about. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Matt. You stay safe and sound. And say hi to Hillary. I sure will. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh my God, that was so good. Wasn't that great? It's another one of those, like, uh, I, um, I requested the Cat Burns one to go on Broadway World, not Broadway World Los Angeles. This is another one that's great. 
Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it was on Broadway World, not Broadway World Los Oh, Angeles. I didn't see that. I yeah. still have to go back. God, I'm so... I need to go back and pimp it out on um, Instagram. Yeah, I need to too. I haven't pimped it I out. I put yet. it up on, on Facebook, but I need to put it up but on yeah. And um, Broadway Podcast Network has been promoting it too. Like oh, good. They, yeah, and Kat like, like, liked it and commented and stuff like that. Good, so, good. But, yeah. no, I think uh, that was really good. He, he was amazing. And I really dug our back and forth. I thought it was really... It was really good. I really, I loved all of your questions. They were great. They thank added, you, you too. Like, mom, my, I feel like mine were, thank you. They were superficial and they like needed to be asked, but yours were like insightful, really interesting. Like I really, it was good. Fuck it off. Cool. Let's okay. just do, let's do the wrap up first so we can feed off okay, of the surf yep. and, then we'll, and then we'll do the opening. Okay, okay great. Right. <gasps> How amazing was that? He is he, awesome. He is inspiring. Uh-huh. And, and it's, it's so, every single one of us can learn the lesson, like the journey that you're on is happening to inform your future decisions. And yeah. all of these, you're creating a tapestry that is going to, that nobody else is making that is, can create something. It's like, I feel like I love being a publicist, but I'm a good publicist because I was, I was a performer and I learned how to be passionate and 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 collaborative and creative yeah. and all of those things are things that inform my career now and so it's just like even if you're not doing what you want to be doing or what you think you should be doing or what like you're still becoming a fuller realized person and who mm-hmm. knows what that is going to become I just think it's incredible and how he took everybody else that he knew and their talents and put them all together yeah he's clearly an amazing connector that, you know, and that's what makes a, a really phenomenal producer is being yeah. a brilliant connector and knowing where people's strengths lie. And also one of the things that I wanted to touch on was, um, you know, he is so unafraid and his whole team sounds that way too, of like things look messy right now. It's like, we're in the messy part of making a cake and we can't yeah. tell, we're gonna trust that the cake is gonna be super yummy, but right now there's like shit flying all over the kitchen. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. just completely undaunted. Um, yeah. And I, I find that super inspiring and, um, and hopeful and everything good. And as a leader, I've never seen him not have a smile on his face. You know, I like, and it's like, that's, that, that comes from confidence and being sure of yourself. You know, and that, that generosity of spirit is something that is a sign of a really good leader. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, like, cause I mean, lots of, like we hear stories in Hollywood and, and, uh, and in entertainment about people just being jerks because they're divas, you know? It's like, you don't have to be. Like you could be no, like yeah. Matt Weaver and just be the nicest guy in the world and be super successful and let your work speak for itself. You and know? that's what you, happens when you do what you love too. Mm-hmm. When he was like, I wanna do a show and I wanted to have white snake and poison in it and I wanna serve drinks and I wanted to be a party and a feel good situation, you know, and he clearly loves, loves what he does. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that that, that emanates yeah. from him and what? the team. I can't oh. wait for them to get back up on their feet. I'm super excited. Yeah. They're all, it's such a talented, talented group of people and an incredible show and an incredible experience. And that was a great interview. I'm psyched. Yes. Thank you, Matt Weaver. Thank you, Matt Weaver. And if you want to check out uh, Rock of Ages in Hollywood, go to rockofageshollywood.com. And like I said, check out Rock of Ages Hollywood on Instagram because it's super fun. Also, while you're on Instagram, you can check out Will Armstrong PR. 
And Wendy <laughs> underscore Rosa. <laughs> yes, and we are also on Facebook and, oh, and we have an Instagram. We have a Western Broadway podcast Instagram as that's well. That's right, we do. I always forget about that, but that's, we well, do. that's brand new. It's brand new and we're building it. And, um, <laughs> and we're also Will and Wendy on Facebook. And of course, broadwaypodcastnetwork.com is where you can find all of our past episodes. And thank you, of course, to Broadway World for always supporting us and sharing our content. We really we love you, Broadway it. World. We love you. And um, yeah, so this is incredible. We hope you're all washing your hands and staying safe and uh, taking care of each other. And um, yeah, until next time, if you're looking for us, you can find us just, just west, west of, of Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get this one of these times. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.